You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just, we love you so much. Lord, I, I thank you for every person, every family that's in the room today. It's coming to the 11 o'clock service, Lord. I just, I thank you for such a revelation of the sacrifice, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. I, I just pray a fresh revelation that we would see what maybe has become mundane or dull. We would see it afresh today. And Jesus, we thank you that you didn't stay in the tomb, that you rose again, and we love you. And more importantly, we thank you that you first loved us. You first loved us. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. Um, There's a parable in Matthew chapter 13, but before we do, I just, I couldn't help but think this morning that, you know, Jesus didn't go back and spend time at the tomb after he he was resurrected. (laughs) Did you notice that? Like, he wasn't like, hey, disciples, I got to go. I've got a great bed back here in the tomb, and uh, I'm going to, like, when he left, he left. <laughs> What's so funny is, as I was thinking that there's been, there's been allegations, not allegations, there's been people that have said things that, that have, are like, people in this church don't understand what what we're going through. People don't honor, there's so, so many people have all their stuff together. You know, they look at people in the leadership team. They look people at people maybe on the pastoral team and the, the, the house church leaders. And they're like, these people would not understand what, what we've been through. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you heard their stories? But here's the beautiful thing. It's a testament to the resurrection of Jesus. It's a testament to the fact that we're not going back to the tomb, that the resurrection was powerful enough to lift us up and out of the situation that we were in. It was powerful enough to lift us up and out of addiction. Come on, somebody. Come on, all you ex-addicts. So I'm serious. It was powerful enough to lift you up and out of addiction. It was powerful enough to lift you up and out of mental uh, uh, illness. It was powerful enough to lift you out of physical sickness. So Jesus didn't go back to the tomb. He didn't go hang out there. Like he didn't go put the grave clothes back on again. I know that's duh, but it just hit me this morning. I'm like, why do we do that? Why, why, why do we do that? Why do we go back to dead things when he has presented before us a path of life, a, a path of, of resurrection power? You know, in, in Romans chapter 8, um, Paul says that the very spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives and dwells on the inside of you. Like today. I was like right now. Right now. Come on, 9, 9 a.m. Were y'all on a booze cruise last night? What happened? What's going on? Got a hangover? What's happening here? Hallelujah. 
So Matthew 13, there's, there's a parable, and um, Jesus is going through a, a, a bunch of parables, actually, and he's going through the, the sower, um, the parable of the dragnet, the parable of uh, just a, a bunch of different parables, right? Farmer sc- scattering seeds, mustard seed, parable of the yeast, the, the wheat and the weeds, and in there... Uh, verse 44, Matthew 13, 44. He, he says a little parable, and the exegesis of this parable that I grew up with was, I believe, wrong. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to just say for, for 100% sure, it's, but what I theologically believe now is different than, than how I grew up. And so it's so funny to me when people say, I found Jesus, it's like, no, 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 Jesus found you, okay? I, I found Jesus. He was lost. He was behind the couch. No, Jesus was not lost. You were lost. We did not find him, friends. He found us. He called us. He wooed us to himself by, through his goodness and through the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit drew us to him. We didn't go find him. So now when I read this parable... I'm like, I think, we, I think I had it wrong. I think I had this wrong. Because the parable that I'm about to read puts the onus on me. And it puts the onus on you. And to me, that is so incongruent from the gospel. It's that he first loved us. He saw the state that we were in and he acted preemptively and said, I'm going to send my one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus always makes the first move. And that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of the new covenant. The old covenant is we made a move and then he responded. The new covenant is he makes a move and we respond. And then he gives us the power, the energy, the the plan, the ideas, the desire to do what he preemptively asks us to do. And then we respond. Isn't that good? Good night. Good night. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. So I was told, I was taught that the kingdom of heaven would be speaking of Jesus and would be speaking of God. And so a man, I would discover this God, this Jesus in a field and then I would hide him, and then my, in my excitement, I would go and sell everything that I owned. This is incongruent to me. I don't own anything. <laughs> like, what do I have to sell to buy Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? The, the Bible says that actually my righteousness, or like my best foot forward, my best deeds, the best that I can do on my own apart from Jesus are what? Filthy rags. Do you know what filthy rags speak of? Okay, good. So we're on the same page. So, I'm not going to go there. 
but it speaks of unproductive, unproductive works. So our, our, the, like the very, on your very best day, in your very best efforts, your very best thinking, your very best deeds, on your own and in and of yourself, the Bible says it's unproductive. It, it produces nothing. It's, it's, it's rags. It's filthy, dirty rags that produce nothing. That's, that's our best. So for some reason, we're going to sell everything that we have to buy a field to get Jesus. And, and, and then all, all of a sudden, then we're like merchants out looking for choice pearls. And we discovered a great pearl. And then again, we sold everything we owned and we, we bought it. So I, religion says, sell everything and buy Jesus. Friends, can I tell you, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> In this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a, that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Do you know that, that God bankrupt heaven to purchase all of humanity's salvation? He sold everything he owned, sold it all to buy the field so that, so that, like Pastor Heather said this morning, so that when we place our faith in Jesus, that now we're in right relationship with him. Why? Because he owns the field. Why? Because he sold it all. Because the blood of Jesus paid for the entire field. It paid for every single person in humanity. Somebody say amen. I, I can get down with that. I can get down with that. Um, and then it says, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great price. The pearl of great price is you and it's me. Everyone say, I'm a pearl of great price. Okay, this, this, flips, it on, it's, this flips the whole script on its head. That, that when I know that I am a pearl of great price and he sold everything, he laid down, he willingly laid down his life for me. Friends, his life was not taken from him. It's like, hey, Jesus was murdered. No, 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 no. Jesus willingly gave up his life. That no, nobody could take Jesus's life from him. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels, a legion of angels in a second would have come down and whooped tail. In a second, it would have been the best action movie you've ever seen. John Wick, nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like these angels would have come down and have done, would have just taken care of every Roman guard that was there. But that's not the way he, that's, that wasn't the plan. He said, I willingly give up my life. I willingly lay down my life. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to come back to Matthew, but in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, your version might say set before him. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Because of the joy awaiting him, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. What's the joy set before him? Us. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? You're the treasure. 
you're the pearl, you're the joy. You're the treasure, you're the pearl, you're the joy. I'm the treasure, I'm the pearl, I'm the joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He said, "It is worth, what's on the other side of this cross is 100% worth bankrupting heaven. It is 100% worth everything that I'm about to give because of the joy waiting before me. And that joy was humanity, which God created in his own image to have fellowship and relationship with himself. And because of that joy, he looked, uh, he looked through the pain, the agony. I mean, folks, we were, we were at, um, funny story, we went, we took Heather's parents. I think her moms wanted to see the Tulip Festival forever and ever. And so we took her down to the Tulip Festival. Well, because of COVID, um, the, the tulip fields have become very dangerous. And so, um, obviously, outside, thousands of acres, it's a hotbed. Um, All right, let's pray. Let's go home. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a hotbed of COVID. And um, <laughs> so we pull in and they said, well, this year you had to buy tickets online. And so I was like, cool, can we get online? He goes, no, we're sold out. We're sold out through the weekend. And they, they leave on Monday. So if you know the area, we were at the Tulip Festival, and I said, well, like, well, what's the next most exciting thing? And it, it was uh, Mount Angel, which is really exciting as well. It's actually really beautiful. So we went up to Mount Angel, and there's the abbey and the monastery, and there's a, there's a museum there. How many have been to the Mount Angel Museum? I don't think it's been touched in 20 years, but it's worth going to. Um, so we go in there. Oh, I can tell you a really funny story. So last week, and then I'll come back to this. It's, it, it's all Catholicism. It all wraps around Catholicism. Um, last week, we were in a little town called Todos Santos in, on the Baja Peninsula. How many, how many have been there? Todos Santos? Two of you? Great. Um, great little place. And there's a, there's, a, there's a Catholic church kind of in the church square, and we had gone in there earlier, and the acoustics were amazing. And so I, I recorded a video of Heather singing in there, and it was, just, it was really cool. We were walking by later, and they were starting to uh, pass out uh, palms, palm fronds, for, because it's Palm Sunday. And so we're like, cool. Like we, so we saw this group gathering, and we're like, let's, this is really cool. Let's, let's go maybe and experience a new tradition. You know, and I didn't grow up in a liturgical church. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I've, I understand some things about, you know, the Catholicism and, you know, the hold that it, that it has in that part of the world. And so I was like, this is kind of cool. So we go grab the palm branches. Guy comes out with his guitar. This big group starts gathering and we're standing there. And he's playing the guitar and he's singing songs that we don't know. And we're just humming along. I think this is great. We got our palm branches and we're, and, the, and then the priest comes by and he soaks us with water. You know, have, have, has anyone ever had that happen to them? Yeah. He takes like this thing and dips it in water and starts, you know, getting you wet. And, um, we're like, okay, that was weird, but that's kind of cool. It was pretty hot out. <clears throat> um, 
kind of. So we're out in the, we're out in the town square, and then they're then they're like, there's going to be a processional, and the guy was going to lead us on his little twelve string guitar, and he's playing, and I'm like, this is fun. We're like in a little parade, you know. So we're, you know, the whitest, tallest ones there, and we're walking and sticking out like sore thumbs, and this tourist, I'm burnt, you know, <laughs> like this is great. Um. And we, 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 go in, we go into the church and, and we sit down and little did we know that Palm Sunday Mass is the longest mass in the Catholic Church. We even talked to Catholics that were like, oh, heck no, we don't go to, we don't go to Palm Sunday Mass. It's the longest. <laughs> we were stuck. I'm telling you, we were stuck. We, could not, we were up, we were down, we were kneeling, we were standing, we were chanting, we were waving. We, I don't know what we were doing. I, I gave an offering. I was like, sure. The, the offering went by. I had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> it was funny. Heather had a, they were reading Luke. They read the entire, entire passion story. It's, it, it was a two hours. And we were, we were in a place where we just could, it would have been rude to get up and leave. So we sat there for two hours. And uh, so y'all have it good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> y'all have it good. Um, oh, Heather had a, there was this, there was this young man who was, who was, um, we could just tell that he was going through some, he was going through stuff. And, um, so Heather's trying to give him a prophetic word in Spanish. (laughs) She, she, what, she took three years of French, four years of French. So this is working out really well. She's got Google Translate and she's, and he's just looking at her like, what the... It was, it was awesome. She was like trying her best to give this guy prophetic work. It was amazing. Where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mount Angel. Uh, we were in Mount Angel. Yes, Mount Angel. And we're at, we're in the museum and really interesting exhibits in there. And um, they, somebody had, had gone to Jerusalem and they had sent over, um, they made a replica, essentially a replica crown of thorns um, from the, the, the style of thorn bushes that, are, that surround Jerusalem. Have y'all seen that? Have y'all seen those before? It's, it is unbelievable. We're talking, they're, they're probably five, six inches and they are sharp, 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 and they're in going in every direction. You know, and I, I just, I think about what Jesus endured on the Via Della Rosa, on the way to suffering. And, and I don't know if anyone's played the game Otter even, where you, you know, you pull people's leg hairs and that's a kind of a teenage boy thing. Um, Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who's played Otter even? Okay, thank you. <laughs> but, I mean, friends, friends, his, they grabbed his beard and, and they ripped his beard up. He was, he was repeatedly punched in the face. His back was was absolutely shredded by the cat of nine tails. 39 lashes. R- ripped apart. Um, 
there's a historian living at that time named Josephus, and he he wrote, he said that, that you couldn't tell if it was a human or an animal that was hanging on the cross. You couldn't tell the difference because of what Jesus endured. And I and I I think about that and that then then he he gave up his spirit, John 19.30. He said, to tell us die. He said, it's paid in full. Essentially, he's saying the, the field is now paid for. And all the treasure in the field now belongs to me. And he said, it's paid in full. And it meant it, meant it is finished. So he cries out to tell us die. Paid in full, it's finished. And he gives up his spirit. He breathes his last. He gives up his spirit. And he spends the next two days um, in hell, defeating Satan's sickness and death, taking back the keys of the kingdom. And, and then he, he rises from the dead. And like all of this, all of this that he went through, this very, this incredible passion week, I mean, even, even from being unjustly judged, and being sentenced to die this entire week, it was all with you and I in mind. That's, that's why the enemy wants to come with shame, friends. That's why the enemy wants to come with condemnation. That's why the enemy wants to come and whisper in your ear, God's mad at you. Because the gospel is so radical in that we are the treasure we are the pearl, and we are the joy. And that it was his joy to go to the cross. Because what he saw on the other side, he saw people getting free and not, no longer being in bondage to sin and being in right relationship with the Heavenly Father, which was his plan from the beginning. Garden State, yes, it was beautiful. Yes, it was wonderful. Yes, it was a lot easier because you didn't have to buy clothes. Like all the things, right? Garden State was amazing. But the most amazing thing about Garden State in, in the Garden of Eden was the fact that God walked with his friends. And he talked with them and he communed with them. And it was perfect communion, which is what Jesus came to restore, which is, which is what Jesus came to bring back. You know, it's not just about us dying and going to heaven. That's great. It's really about his kingdom being established here on earth, his rule and his reign being established here on earth. I'm just telling you, the enemy, friends, the enemy will do everything that he can to try to skew what you believe about God. The enemy will do everything he can to try to screw up your thoughts and your mindset to how Father God thinks about you. And you're like, well, Pastor Ben, you don't understand. I've sinned. I'm, I'm not doing well right now. There's, there's, there's patterns in my life. Listen, you're still the pearl, you're still the treasure, and you're still the joy. 
And even more, you need to lean into how he feels about you. Even more, you need to lean in to what the Heavenly Father feels about you. Because if you think that Heavenly Father is mad at you, if you think he's irritated with you, if you think that he's upset with you and said, man, why can't Ben get his crap together? And if that's the posture that I feel towards the Heavenly Father, then I will not get close I will not come close. I will not be intimate with someone that I feel is upset with me. Told the story a million times. I see a million new faces, so I'm going to tell it again. The the gravitational pull of of the human heart is to run from a God that's pursuing them. Ashton broke a vase in our home when he was very, very little, playing football in the house, the, the, the football hits the vase. It's that moment of, you know, I, I, you just have a million thoughts in your head as a vase is falling down. And you, you just, you're thinking about all the things. And I was thinking to myself, I know that Ashton's a sensitive kid. And I know, he, I mean, he just, he's a heart with arms and legs. That's, that's Ashton. And so I'm like, he's going to feel bad that he broke mom's vase. He's going to feel bad. And so in my head, I thought, I have to get to him as quick as possible to let him know that it's not about the vase, it's about him. Someone needs to hear that. It's not about your sin, it's about you. You've you've made your relationship with Jesus contingent on your sin and sin patterns. And friends, Jesus willingly became sin that you would become righteous. So as the vase is falling, my my father's heart says, I've got to, I could give two craps about the vase. Heather might give three or four, (laughs) but I could give two. (laughs) And it's falling and and it shatters on the ground. And I start running after my, my, my firstborn son. I say, Ashton, it's, it's, it's okay. And I'm running at him to to pick him up and to, to hold him and tell him that it's okay. As he sees me running at him, he turns with a look of fear and terror on his face. And he says, dad, I broke it. And he starts to run from me as if I'm running after him to give him a spanking, as if I'm running after him to somehow punishment, to punish him for his behavior. That is a picture of the human condition. If we don't know that we're treasure, we're the pearl, and we're the joy, then we end up running from God. We have got to renew our minds to who he says that we are and what he feels about us in this moment. Do you receive that this morning? Would you be able to say, I'm the treasure? Try it. I'm the pearl. I'm the joy. Like Jesus was thinking of you when he went to Calvary. You know, every sin that you've ever committed, past, present, or future, Jesus became. He took it upon himself. And and the righteousness, and you know, the justice of God was that there, there had to be shedding of blood there had to be shedding of blood um, for the remission of sin. There had to be. And so Jesus took our place. And what we celebrate today, you're like, okay, this we're celebrating the resurrection, right? Yes, it's, it's all part of it. But the, what the resurrection does is it seals everything up. 
it seals everything up and it says, this is so powerful what Jesus did that you can actually rise above those things. We don't, we no longer have to walk in darkness. We no longer have to walk in those things. We no longer have to be um, controlled by sin. Somebody said amen to that. Daniel, you could come. Actually, worship team, you could come. I think we're going we're gonna to do a worship song. They're, they're, um, they're actually surprised right now. We practice, they practice a worship song to end the service with almost weekly, and it almost never happens. So this is an Easter miracle. He is risen. He is risen indeed. <laughs> my, my friend sent me this. He said he was in a church this morning. Church was in Tampa, just to give you context. He said, Tom Brady may have rose from retirement, but do you know who rose from the grave? The one who is always buccaneer you. His name is Jesus. I'm just saying, aren't you thankful that I don't say things like that? Aren't you thankful? You're the treasure, you're the pearl, you're the joy. Stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you as you rose from the grave. You know, the the testimony of Jesus, listen, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy saying if, if, if he did it once, he can do it again. If he did it once, he could do it again. Jesus' resurrection prophesies to each and every one of us that we don't have to stay dead any longer in our sin, that we don't have to stay in dead works any longer, but there is resurrection power in the blood of Jesus. There is resurrection power in the name of Jesus. There is resurrection power as we come into alignment and say, Jesus, we thank you that you're for us, you're not against us. So that way we can come against all accusations of the devil. Every accusation today. And in fact, we just take authority over that right now. We take authority over every accusation that heaven is upset with you, that you're not doing a good enough job, that you're not meeting the expectations of heaven. Listen, Jesus met the expectations of heaven. That's why we have a new covenant because we could not fulfill the first covenant. We couldn't do it. So like, oh Jesus, I'm not fulfilling what you asked of me. He's like, yeah, I know. Jesus fulfilled what I asked. Fully and completely he fulfilled. He fully and completely took our place. And now we stand in the posture of receiving. Does anyone have a message translation? Got a message? I want to read this verse to you out of the message, out of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 in the message.
text. Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, it's the message and New American Standard side by side. I like it. Okay. It says this. Watch what God does and then you do it. Um, that's not it. That, that was a good one too. I think it might be Romans 5. Yes, it's Romans 5. Romans, Ephesians. Get them all, always get them mixed up. Um, it says this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. Woof. Slap your neighbor. Says, you get that? Say, set us right with him. Okay, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start from the beginning. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. What did he want to do? He wanted to set us right with him and make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God. So we, we say, God, I'm, I'm here. God, I'm, I'm here now. I, I want to buy the field. I want to buy the pearl. I'm, God, I'm, I'm throwing my doors open to you. And we discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open the doors to us. <laughs> Listen to this. We find ourselves standing where we always hope we might stand. Easter message is finding ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. The longing of our heart, the longing of our soul, the God-shaped void that has placed in every single person finally finds a home in Jesus. We find ourselves standing where we always hope we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Hallelujah. Someone say amen to that. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for resurrection power that's flowing through our veins. You know what the word Christians mean? The word Christian means little Christs. Little Christ running around all over the world. And the Holy Spirit living inside of each and every one of us. Jesus, we thank you for that your testimony of your death, burial, and resurrection is the spirit of prophecy. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.